huge casting news. Melissa Benoist talks Supergirl. And we check out Smallville Season 7. This is Supergirl Radio. Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's upcoming Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Teresa Jacino. And I'm Rebecca Johnson. In this episode, we're joined by our special guest, Morgan Glennon, who is a writer for Buddy TV and a blogger for the Huffington Post, and she's going to help us talk some Smallville. Thanks for hanging out with us, Morgan. No problem. Hey, welcome. But of course, first up, we have the news. Our first bit of news is huge. Uh, TVLine.com reported that Helen Slater and Dean Kane have joined CBS's Supergirl pilot. As of right now, we don't know who they're going to be playing, but uh, anybody want to take some guesses? Could they be her parents? Maybe they're her parents. Uh, like her foster parents? Yeah, like her foster parents. That's what I'm hoping for, actually. Ooh. That would... See, I'm not sure if they would... Uh, like, with, are they committing long-term to this series, or are they cameos? That, I, I hadn't even thought of her parents, but that's a good call. That would be my question, though, because maybe her parents just, like, mysteriously disappear after the pilot, and they're just, like, off-screen voices. I think I saw some sites reporting it as, like, guest appearances, but it would sort of make sense because of all the all the casting that we've gotten so far has been all of the big characters from the character breakdowns, like James Olsen and uh, Hank Henshaw and Alex. Alex Danvers, yeah. Right, so we haven't gotten the news about her foster parents yet, so that would sort of make sense to me. And actually, Morgan, you make a good point about us seeing them in the pilot, but maybe they don't play into the series as much, because uh, we did get Alex first, and I feel like the relationship between Alex and Kara will be the thing that's focused on more. It does seem like she's going to be a big, like a much bigger character on the show. So maybe the parents will just kind of come in and come out when they, when they want to bring you know, some special guest stars on. Well, anyway, it was really rad to see that uh, Melissa Benoist on her Twitter uh, tweeted a picture of her with Helen Slater. So I was like, the past meets the present. And it was beautiful and amazing. And all of Twitter cried. <laughs> yeah, I did see everybody was uh, geeking out that day that, uh, that the casting news came out. And so when this picture came out, everybody was geeking out, too. Looking at the picture, they look like surprisingly similar. Yes, they do. Very much so. See, now you've got me hopped up on this parents idea, Morgan. I'm just ruining it for you because if they're not, <laughs> well, it's just going to ruin the show. <laughs> I'm not going to watch. To heck with this whole thing. <laughs> I think it's really cool because uh, a couple of episodes ago, we talked about how Helen Slater was interested in being a part of the show. And here she is getting to be among the cast. So I thought that was awesome. Yeah. And I'm so glad that we covered Supergirl the movie early. We got there first, people. <laughs> 
Well, in more pilot casting news, Deadline.com reported that Kyler Lee will be playing Kara's sister, Alex, that we previously just mentioned, uh, on the CBS Supergirl series. The previous character breakdown for Alex mentioned that she works for a secret government organization. But Deadline added a new description of Alex, saying that Alex developed a lifelong obsession with science, which inspired her to become a doctor. So I thought that was interesting that we're getting some more information about Alex as things progress. Yeah, I, I do like how they update the uh, the casting notices as they <laughs> announce people. Get a little um, bit more about her. And in even more casting news, because if that wasn't enough, Deadline also reported that David Harewood, who's appeared in Selfie and on Homeland, is our Hank Henshaw. And I am so excited about this. I love him as an actor. I loved him on Selfie. He made me laugh so hard. And he, I tweeted at him and he totally favorited my tweet when I said I was excited. Nice. So I feel super special today. <laughs> Morgan, are you familiar with either of those actors, David or Kyler? I'm actually, I'm familiar with both. I saw, um, I've seen David Harewood on Homeland, but not on Selfie. So I don't know. I mean, obviously he can do comedy if he was on that show, uh, but he was, he was quite good in Homeland. And um, I've seen Kyler. She was I believe she was on Grey's Anatomy, right? She was like Meredith's little sister, if I, this I, is the person I'm thinking of. I think that's right. I think she was on yeah. Grey's Anatomy. So they're both good actors. Is is David, I'm not, uh, this is so great. This whole show, except for uh, Helen Slater and Dean Cain, are, are mostly filled with actors I am not familiar with. So I am very excited to get to know these people. Like, is David Harewood, is, could he play a convincing maybe villain in the future? Is he someone yeah. who has kind of a dark side to him? Oh, yeah. I, I yeah, I could see it. Yeah, his his character in, in, in Homeland was not always, like, the nicest guy. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, uh, ProjectCasting.com posted a casting announcement for CBS's Supergirl series. They were looking for square-jawed photo doubles for a DC superhero who were 5'11 or taller with a, quote, ripped physique, end quote. If you couldn't guess who that might be referring to, actors were asked to write Superman in the email <laughs> subject line. So, uh, Morgan, what do you think about a Superman appearance on this Supergirl TV series? I like how subtle they were about the fact that it's going to be Superman. They're just like really <laughs> keeping that under wraps. Uh, I, I like the idea. I mean, I think it's pretty exciting. I, I wouldn't want him, like Superman's presence, to sort of overtake her show, but just having him sort of appear in it would be really, really exciting. Yeah, and no, I was going to say, it definitely makes sense to have some kind of connection and tie-in. I feel like if there weren't at least some allusion to Superman or, or some kind of appearance, I feel like there'd be something missing. But I agree with Morgan that I don't want it to overtake things. It is her show. We're there for Kara, so hopefully Clark will be in the background, if anything. And also, actually, since they're looking for a photo double. Um, you know, I haven't seen anything about casting for an actual speaking role in this vein. So it might be the case where they need somebody kind of in the background to look like Superman, maybe flying away or something where she's not really interacting with him, but maybe he like jets from her window saying goodbye as she does something. Yeah. I have a so, feeling it's something of that nature. Yeah. Well, KSiteTV.com also confirmed that Glenn Winter, who's directed episodes of The Flash and Arrow and Smallville, which we'll be talking about today, uh, will be directing the Supergirl pilot. 
Uh, and that Andrew Kreisberg, who is an executive producer on The Flash and Arrow, will be an executive producer for Supergirl as well, along with Greg Berlanti and Ali Adler and Sarah Schechter. I'm really excited about Andrew Kreisberg, though, because he's I, I feel like he has a really good grasp on these characters, especially uh, on Arrow and The Flash. And so I'm very excited about him in particular. Definitely. And our last bit of news is that comicbookresources.com interviewed Melissa Benoist at the Film Independence Spirit Awards, which is still a weird title for that awards. <laughs> and here's what she had to say about Supergirl. She says, what's so wonderful about her is that she is such a relatable character amongst her powers. And she would go on to say, what I'm most excited about is telling a story about a human being really realizing their potential and their strength. And I think that's something that everyone will root for and want in their own lives. I'm really excited about that. And when comicbookresources.com asked her about the costume, she laughed and said, it's a little daunting, but that's good. I like being pushed. I work well under pressure. So that was cool to finally kind of get to hear her talk about this role and what uh, she's excited about. And also about the costume. I love that when asking her about the costume, she says that it's daunting, but she likes being pushed and works well under pressure. I'm wondering how much uh, support her like Supergirl undergarments will give her. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, what is this costume doing that she's working well under pressure? (laughs) It may be something about her having to train and having to, uh, I don't, I, w- I don't want to say get in shape, but you know, a lot of these actors like Stephen Amell and Katie Cassidy, some of those folks have really had to train and kind of get into superhero mode um, yeah. with their physique. So I, I wonder if that, if she's having to train uh, just like they do, which I imagine so just because most superheroes have to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's I'm sure, going to be, like, a physically demanding role. Like, mm-hmm. obviously, she doesn't actually have to lift cars over her head, but <laughs> she will have to do a lot of running and being hoisted in a harness and flying around, and, and that takes its toll. Right, and I even uh, know from, like, the Man of Steel behind-the-scenes stuff with Henry Cavill, they always talk about how even though um, the wires and stuff do all of the work with the effects – you still have to have that core strength and that physical ability to deal with the wires. So that probably is part of it. She, maybe, maybe she's doing wire training. I wonder mm. if that's part of it. That's a good point. Well, now that we've covered the news, here's a little history about Smallville's take on Kara Zor-El before we get into the episodes today. At San Diego Comic-Con in 2007, showrunner Al Goh told IGN that bringing Supergirl to Smallville was motivated by Clark's father dying and his mother being in Washington, D.C., Alco said, quote, he doesn't have any family, end quote, and that Kara gives him some insight into what happened on Krypton. Kara's arrival would also put Clark in a mentor role for her, which we'll see pretty prominently in the episodes that we're going to be talking about today. The very first time we see Laura Vandervoort's Kara Zor-El is at the end of the season seven premiere, which is called Bizarro, when she rescues Lex Luthor. We're not really going to get into that because it's so brief. But all you really need to know is that Lex Luthor is handcuffed and trapped underwater in a police car. <laughs> and just when it seems like there is no hope, he sees a woman in white who, to him, looks like an angel. And it's actually a really beautiful shot. I love the way that they did that. Um, yeah. The next time we see Lex, he's washed up on shore with the woman in white standing above him. And without saying anything, she flies off. And Kara saving Lex was actually a throwback to the pilot episode of Smallville in which Clark saves Lex's life. KSITV.com's Craig Byrne 
wrote a Smallville companion book for season seven, which I highly recommend if you're a fan of the show and want to learn more because it's got a lot of fun facts and trivia. And the season seven companion book even includes a foreword, a foreword, that's a hard word to say, <laughs> written by Laura Vandevoort. And in the companion book, uh, writer Todd Slavkin says, there was an irony that both members of the House of L would be destined to save Lex at first. So now that you know that, we can dig into the two episodes we're going to talk about today, starting with Kara, which was the second episode of season seven, and it aired on October 4th, 2007. 2007. That's so long ago. <laughs> really? <is. laughs> it's crazy. But uh, we'll start with the CW's official description for the episode, Kara. It says, Clark and Lois discover Kara's spaceship, but before they can open it, Kara appears and knocks Lois out, which is hilarious. Clark is shocked after Kara tells him that she's there to protect baby Kal-El. Despite Kara's appearance, a despondent Clark decides that without Lana, there's nothing keeping him in Smallville, and he heads to the Fortress of Solitude to begin his training as a superhero. However, Jor-El tells him that Kara's father, Zor-El, who is Jor-El's brother, is evil, and Kara is dangerous, and therefore Clark must stay in Smallville to find out why she came to Earth. And Lex makes a stunning discovery regarding Lana and Project 33. So now, just to get the discussion rolling, because Kara is a really, really a great episode, and I like how they set up uh, Kara's character in this um, in the world of this show. So, Morgan, Rebecca, whoever wants to start, um, what do you think about Kara's uh, characterization in this episode, and how we get to know her? I really liked how they introduced Kara. I liked that she sort of had this sort of mission that she was on. But uh, she was also trying to sort of like learn the ropes of what it's like to be on Earth and to be a human and that she didn't have the knowledge that, say, Krypton was no longer a planet. And I think it just it sort of contrasted to like where Clark was uh, at this point in the show, which is what that he knew a lot of the stuff that he was going to know. And he wasn't sort of the character who was learning things anymore. So he got to take on like a mentor role for her. So it was nice to see her kind of come out of the gate. And she was also pretty sassy too, which I liked. Yeah. Yeah. She does not put up with him a lot in the beginning. (laughs) She, she uh, smashes the cell phone into bits and uh, she, yeah, she talks back to him and says, you know, that's what happens when you touch my stuff. Uh, (laughs) You know, she was very aggressive with him and they even uh, collided with each other. So that was kind of a visual representation of their butting heads as, as uh, two personalities kind of going at it. But uh, for me, I like this version of the character just because right off the bat in this one episode, she goes through a whole character progression. Mm -hmm. She goes from like Morgan was talking about how she had this mission and she's really harsh towards humans. She talks down to them and uh, doesn't think very much of humans. Um, But she goes through this period of being vulnerable when she learns about uh, Krypton's explosion. And and then she kind of at the end, she sort of opens up with Clark. And so I, I really like the way that they introduce Kara and how they expand her over this one episode. Yeah, I think one of the things I love most about this uh, characterization, and it's funny because I I have not watched Smallville, so watching these episodes completely out of context, um, (laughs) but uh, what I love about her characterization in this is that this seems like the most real version of Supergirl, and what I mean by that is she seems the most like nuanced and the most like an actual person, Mm -hmm. because yeah, she's 
coming right out of the gate with this attitude. But there's also this softness there. And, and neither side of her personality seems like it shouldn't be there. It doesn't seem to come out of nowhere. It's very grounded. Um, and one of my favorite things was when she is picking up kids at the playground yeah. in one scene, <laughs> checking for Clark, for, for um, baby Kellel. <laughs> Baby Kal El. So I'm I'm like thinking Zorel. No, that's no. Which which L is he? That's another L. <laughs> <laughs> but like picking up kids and um checking them. And so obviously that, you know, if I saw some lady running around picking up kids by the collar in a playground, I'd go and like slap the crap out of her. But then she picks them up and she has this warm smile, like, don't worry, I'm not gonna hurt you. Like right. so she's doing this really rough action, but at the same time she seems almost maternal with them too. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting to kind of see her be a nuanced, specifically Kryptonian character, too. Because she's very Kryptonian, whereas Clark is definitely, you can tell, he was raised on Earth. And she is kind of a warm Kryptonian. And it's and, and it's interesting to see that contrast between the two of them. Yeah, and I think the the part where she's kind of picking up the kids in the playground and it and is kind of, she, she sort of, she sort of put, picks up one kid, like, it sort of reminded me of how, like, cats pick up their kittens, you know, <laughs> like, by the, mm-hmm. the, the, the part of the skin around the neck or whatever, how they kind of grip them. Yeah, the scruff of their neck, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it was sort of that kind of roughness, but she was very sort of maternal with them, and I think that sort of plays into how, when she's talking to Clark about, you know, I, I took care of you as a baby, and, um, you know, I got to know your mother, and kind of, what, why she was so excited about being pregnant and all of that kind of stuff. So I, I guess she she had had that experience of, of taking care of kids. So I, I, kind, I kind of like what you said about how she sort of maybe had a little bit of a maternal instinct there. Yeah, I think one of the things I liked about her was that she's like right out of the bat. She's like right off the bat. She's so proactive. I did watch Smallville for, for many years. And Clark, one of the things about Clark's character was that he was often very reactive, like very defensive. And she was just like, I've got a thing to do. I'm going to try to find this kid. So, yeah, sure, I'll pick up some kids in the in the playground. And when she goes to the Daily Planet, she just like rips off the doors and she doesn't really care about it. <laughs> like she is taking care <laughs> of business. Great. She's got her list and she's like she's off to the races with it. And he's like, you know, maybe you shouldn't destroy an elevator right in front of people they might know your secret <laughs> and she just doesn't care and it just after you know if you've been watching smallville it's 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 quite refreshing actually i think that because he is so guarded about his secret and she just does not care i think that's a great point about clark being reactive such a good yeah. point and now, <laughs> now that you say that i'm like yes yes every season that yes yep um and <laughs> what I, what i liked about how she uh kind of didn't care about what he said in in the early parts of that episode was I think that in the scene where she goes to the Daily Planet he tells her not to look back at at the damage she's caused <laughs> to the elevator and she does it's like she she doesn't care at that point and I think later on we'll probably see her heed Clark's warnings a little more but right right now in this episode and Kara she she doesn't care she's gonna do it her way and I, I like, too, that this not giving a crap uh, has that attitude has doesn't have anything to do with her age. Because I feel like when we've seen her, you know, we just talked about Supergirl in um, the animated series and, you know, even in the film, it seems like she has this youthful naivete about her. But in this version, she just seems to be that way. Like, that's just her personality. She's She's going to throw herself in there and it's not because she's young and doesn't know better it's because she has stuff to do and she's <laughs> right. gonna do it right 
and actually, I, I do want to bring it around to Laura Vandervoort's performance, because I think she does an amazing job on the show and balancing all of the things that are asked of her. I feel like this is her first episode and right off the bat, like Rebecca said, she goes through such a range of, of emotions and such a, um, a pretty wide character arc in just one episode. And, uh, and you're with her the whole way because she's such a likable performer and, and you're just sort of there with her and her emotions. And I, I really liked her performance the whole time, like throughout that whole season. Yeah, she's actually, in my opinion, probably the best thing about season seven. Was oh my god, the, that's so true. Was, was uh, the the um, her performance and the Supergirl character uh, in in general? And I liked the way that in the beginning, especially that scene when she comes to the Daily Planet with Clark and kind of messes up the elevator. She just is very commanding in that scene. That she, you totally believe that she is this out of towner who looks down on this ancient technology of the earthlings and comes in and she just kind of owns the place. And I I really love that. And you do get to see later on in the episode, how she is vulnerable and has to accept the fate of Krypton and how she's kind of in denial about that whole situation. So she goes from being so commanding to having to work through this, problem of what has happened to Krypton and the fact that she's lost people she loves. And I, I think that says a lot about Laura Vandervoort as an actress. And I think um, it's interesting that you said that this is like she's the best part about season seven, because something that I noticed uh, just with these uh, episodes we're talking about today, having not watched Smallville and not become invested in the characters, is that I found myself kind of tuning out when she wasn't on screen. Mm. Um, I, that you know, wasn't I was just like, you. <laughs> yeah, okay, good. I was Because I, I, at first I was like, oh, maybe it's because I don't you know, know the characters. I don't know what's going on. But like, you know, Lana coming back, I was like, yawn. And like (laughs) Chloe and Lois having a professional rivalry. I'm like, yawn, whatever. I don't care. And even the central, well, we'll get into that when when we get into the next episode. But even the, like some of the main conflicts, I was like, I don't care about this story, but I do care about her. So (laughs) I'll keep watching for her. But something I do want to talk about is uh, Kara's relationship with Clark, because I think the most interesting part of this episode was kind of how they're different and how they relate to each other. So Morgan, Rebecca, what did you think about their relationship specifically? I thought it was really interesting. I, uh, because you have Clark in suddenly more of a mentor role and, uh, and, and you're sort of, I feel like you're sort of seeing the, them like sort of boiled down to their essence, which is like Clark is telling her, you know, you, you have to hide yourself and you have to be careful. And Kara is just sort of off doing her thing. And I think that's sort of that it does carry through sort of somewhat through the season where Kara is a lot more, you know, bold and proactive and, uh, and Clark is just sort of trying to rein her in. I thought that was sort of an interesting, uh, an interesting dynamic because if, you know, in the earlier seasons of the show, that was sort of like the, the role that his parents took with him. So he's become kind of a parent to her in a way, like pretty immediately. Yeah, and I think that's actually really important to what the good parts of Smallville, like what made the good parts of Smallville. Because for me in the early seasons, you know, one through five and parts of six, the the family dynamic of the Kents was so central and what made kind of the heart of the show. And then when 
Jonathan died in season five and Martha went to pursue <laughs> her political aspirations, there was no family unit for Clark then. And I think for me, and what I think made season seven so great for me was that there were times when Clark was not the best. And so, <laughs> so, so when, when Kara came around and offered that family dynamic and put that back as the heart of the show, that made the show more interesting to me and, and uh, had, had, like I said, more heart to it. And I think that was a uh, very central for season seven. And that's what Al Go talked about was that he had no family, all of his, uh, his parents left and he was all alone in the Kent farm. So I think it's really great in that scene where he kind of, uh, invites her to stay with him on the Kent farm because it, it gives him someone else to connect to. Yeah. I think what's sort of sort of interesting when you um, compare and contrast like how long it takes Clark, how long it took Clark in the early seasons to master some of these skills and how long it takes her to master some of the skills. It's, it's pretty funny. Like she gets it in five minutes. Like he'll show her like once and she's like, I got it. It's good. I got it. <laughs> well, she does say girls do mature faster than boys. <laughs> That's yeah, true. <laughs> that's one of my favorite lines of the episode. And I, what I love, too, is that, you know, we talk about Clark being her mentor, but then there's the issue of like, you know, she took care of him and she is older than him. Technically, um, she's in suspended animation for 18 years underwater on Earth. And even though he has to be her mentor and kind of teach her, you know, show her the ropes on this new planet, she still speaks with that wisdom that like old Krypton wisdom, you know, yeah. like she she's got the tie to history. She's got the insights that maybe Clark doesn't have because he, he didn't grow up in the culture. And so it's it's funny because I think they are, they're almost mentoring each other, which is why they they need each other so much. And I think that's a really fascinating aspect of their relationship. Yeah. And I like when he says to her, he says, you know, be my memory of Krypton. And I, I think that's so essential for Clark that he he knows some of his family history and knows what his mother was like. I like those little moments that he can teach her things and she can teach him things. So I think it, it does balance them out very well. Yeah. Definitely. I think that was my favorite moment in the, in the whole episode when he, when he said that to her, because it was just such a, like a quiet, nice moment between the two of them. And it was sort of establishing what kind of relationship they were going to have going forward throughout the rest of the season. Yeah. Actually, that was going to be something that I was going to ask was, you know, your favorite parts of the episode. So thank you for that, Morgan, for, for reading <laughs> nice, the segue before, nice segue. Uh, you know. Um, Jump the gun. No, hey, please. We're, we're all about jumping guns here. <laughs> but yeah, Rebecca, what is your uh, your favorite part of the episode? Well, I definitely like that one where they talk about their family history. But for me, I don't as a as a Superman fan, a Supergirl fan, I really love the scene where Clark teaches Kara how to use her super hearing. It's not a real long scene, but I like and, and maybe that's partly because I'm an editor too. I, I like the way they visually show the super hearing and how it's she's sort of struggling with it so, because super hearing is not really a sexy power like yeah it's not you know it's not i can listen really hard yeah it's not it's not the you know powerful uh fun flying power it's the oh i've been able to hear something from a long distance so they sort of make it interesting and they sort of almost uh, 360 where where he's uh kind of circling around and i like that because i also sort of like uh superhero origin stories and how when people come to their powers because Kara in this version in Smallville she does come to Earth and she's able 
Oh, my phone is ringing. I don't know if y'all can hear that. <laughs> um, <laughs> We're going to ignore it. <laughs> who, who's, who's calling my house? I don't understand. But I do like that even though she is already able to fly and use her super strength and her invulnerability, there are some powers that she doesn't have full control of yet. And one of them is the super hearing. And Clark is able to kind of channel his inner Jonathan Kent and teach her what he knows. And so I really like that scene because even though she struggles with it, she when she eventually comes in control of the power, she sort of smiles and like, oh, this is a new thing. So I, I love that scene. Yeah. Rebecca, you it, would, you, oh, sorry. You would no, know no. this, but like in the early seasons of Smallville to like, to represent that, like the super hearing, didn't they used to like zoom into his ear? Yes, they did. They, oh, they, it was so good. Yeah, they did a couple of uh, different versions of this, the zooming in, but I think one time they went like all the way like into his ear canal or wherever yeah, that is in yeah. his brain. Yeah, that's, that's so, the one I remember very like very vividly. It's just like being inside Superman's ear canal. Yeah. So, <laughs> so there, there was a lot of zooming in on his ear. So uh, yeah, it was a little bit different in, in this scene with Kara, but uh, I, I just like that stuff. Yeah, no, and I like how they, how he told her to, like, pick the sounds apart. So it made it really clear to the viewer, like, exactly what they both have to deal with every time they use that power. So right. it, was, it was cool in that way, too. Um, but what I loved about the episode was the fact that Clark, when he first uh, meets Kara and uh, they sort out their family history, there's this look on Clark's face like he's disappointed that they're cousins. Yeah, yeah. Like, he, like he's kind of like all into her and like, who are you? And then she's like, blah, blah, blah. That makes us cousins. Oh. <laughs> so he has to like readjust his brain a little bit because at first he's like, oh, cool. Hot, you know, Kryptonian girl coming to my house. And <laughs> it's like, nope, we're related. Yep. Well, her outfit in the in this whole episode was, was something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is it, it's just like, you know, her, her midriff and she's like wearing short shorts and then like, and then boots because like no other part of her is cold except her feet, I guess. <laughs> but they're well, more like cowboy boots too. Yeah. Right? They're like, like cowboy were, boots. It's, it's a, it's a, so it's weird. a look. It's a lot of look. <laughs> yeah. I think they were very much trying to capture her, comic book look with the red boots as the you know red boots that she would wear with her uh supergirl costume and the primary colors is a big thing on smallville you know you have clark's har what what the internet called the the horrible red jacket um so you have you have all that kind of stuff so they try to make her wardrobe look supergirl without it actually having a cape and the the big S shield. But yeah, it it did look like she probably got cold sometimes because that jacket wasn't going to cut it. Yeah. So short. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, let's move on to the next episode we're going to talk about for uh, this uh, Smallville Part 1, I guess we'll call it, of uh, Supergirl Radio. So here is the CW's official description for Fierce, which is the second episode we're going to discuss, but the third episode of season seven. It says, Kara desperately wants to make friends and fit in on Earth, but Clark tells her to keep a low profile until she can get her powers under control. Despite his warnings, when the Miss Sweetcorn beauty pageant comes around, Kara signs up and meets the competition, Tyler, Carly, and Tempest three meteor-infected vixens who plan to use their powers to steal a treasure map to the hidden Smallville time capsule. After Tyler witnesses Kara using her powers, the girls pretend to be her friends, but are really planning to use her for their devious plan. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> 
So I haven't watched Smallville in, in quite some time. And this was one of those episodes where I was like, yes, this was what Smallville was. <laughs> like, it's just it's like the, the ridiculous parts of it are so funny that like it, it's just enjoyable. I would agree, Morgan. This is a very uh, typical Smallvillian episode in the way it was uh, formulated. Like Kara's been on Earth for for like two days and already she's like bought into beauty standards so so thoroughly that <laughs> she's entering a beauty pageant. <laughs> well, can I just say the thing that struck me most about this episode is that there are two instances where like Clark is totally like slut shaming her. Like and when she reacts to Jimmy and he's like, you need to cool down. But then, you know, she's practicing for the the pageant in her, you know, skivvies and he's like you need to go put some clothes on and both times I was like Clark man why are you trying to just because you were attracted to your cousin and you need to shut that off doesn't mean <laughs> it's her responsibility to cover up well my, I, uh, I got think, my panties in a bunch I think, <laughs> I think sometimes with Clark he he t- he took Kara in as and almost became her father figure so I think maybe in that scene he was sort of looking at her as as he would a daughter who uh, he he wanted to go put some extra clothing on. So I, oh, I know. I, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. like that's not your job, Clark. You need to tone it down. <laughs> to, to, be, to be fair, in that scene, I think Lana was like in the room with him. So yeah, yeah, he was yeah. probably like, "Hey, hey, cool it. Like nothing's happening here. She's yeah. my cousin, even though she's really hot." Yeah, right. right. <laughs> I have a really hot cousin. But I think it's funny because I think uh, Lana was more amused by the situation than the whole thing. She's just looking at her and like, oh, my God, what is happening? <laughs> and when, when I rewatched this episode, I actually forgot that at this point Lana knew his secret. And I had to like, oh, yeah. So, OK, when does she find that out? Yeah. So yeah, she, I spent I spent like 10 minutes trying to remember at what point she had found out his secret, like between seasons or I don't I still don't remember. Yeah, it's it's crazy. So that that I think was interesting that Lana was kind of cool with Kara just because she knew what was going on in terms of her being Kryptonian. And I think the uh, I, first of all, I love the idea of Smallville having a Miss Sweet Corn pageant because um, <laughs> why not? But um, I, like, I what like does all, she do? I like all the uh, the uh, like ex- excuses that gives them for some corn based insults. Like I didn't realize that this was a thing, but. <laughs> And actually, we've got some a little bit of trivia here that in a deleted scene, Kara, dressed in a costume with a red cape, as part of the talent portion of the competition, performs a magic trick with Clark as her assistant. Yeah, and on the DVDs, it's a, it's kind of an unfinished, unpolished scene where uh, she sort of does a, a little disappearing act where he sort of drops something that's uh, in front of her and she's kind of on the other side of the room magically. But I I guess they don't show up, but I I assume she uses her super speed to get over uh, to the other side. So she's sort of, she's trying to fit in with the humans, but also cheating a little bit with her Kryptonian powers on Earth. Oh, yeah. I kind of, I'm sorry that that got cut because, you know, just watching the episode as it is, pretty much all Miss Sweetcorn involves is like looking cute in a bikini like according to what we see in this episode all you need to do is parade around in the bikini one time and you win um so it's like oh there's a talent competition who cares Um, (laughs) and it's funny because in that scene clark is very reluctant to go up on that stage and she sort of she sort of goads him into doing it it's really cute 
Yeah. But actually one thing that I, um, I thought was, was cool. And this goes into the uh, relationship between Clark and Kara again, is the fact that, you know, Clark warns her against doing this because, you know, he says entering a beauty pageant, putting yourself on stage under a spotlight, it's not fitting in, it's standing out. And that she's, and she says, right. Kind of like being captain of the football team. That they such a solid zing. Yeah, it's a yeah. huge, huge burn because Clark, Teresa, if you hadn't watched uh, Smallville before, he was, I don't know if he was captain of the football team, but he was definitely quarterback of the football team. And he was like a star quarterback of the football team. I think they won a championship one season or whatever. <laughs> uh, so he, and they had a big talk about uh, in the early days about whether or not he should try out for the football team. But they decided, you know, the Kents decided, okay, all right, I think it's okay for him to do it. So it's it's one of those things where Clark put himself out like that. So why shouldn't Kara have that same opportunity? Exactly. And I love that. And I love that even though, you know, whether you're Kryptonian or whether you're, you know, grew up on Earth, there's like kind of the same desire to excel. That standing out is part of what we all want to do, whether we're human or not. You know, it's like everybody wants to like appear good at something. And right. so standing out is not a bad thing. We all kind of want to stand out for something or other. Right. And I I liked how like uncomfortable she was with like fitting in and trying to be more like, like humans and, and entering the pageant was sort of her way to, to try to get over that hurdle, but it didn't go quite how she expected. But I just, I, there was like a moment in the episode where she's like, behind the scenes of the pageant and she's like p- trying to put on her makeup and then she asks like the the weather girls for help putting on her makeup and they tell her like why don't you go grow some corn or something but i think the the be- the best part of that whole moment for me was just that her makeup was absolutely spot on perfect the yeah. entire time <laughs> yeah she looked beautiful i don't know what what the problem was but i think also with her going to talk to the weather girls was Another part of her wanting to kind of fit in, she tried to reach out to these other girls in in the pageant, and uh, she, I guess she, in a, in some ways she was trying to make friends, and it didn't go so well. Yeah, and it it, it always it strikes me too because um, I think Lana also in I forget which episode she said this in, but talks about Clark not knowing teenage girls, mm. and. It's interesting because, you know, Kara obviously looks like a teenage girl, but she's been in animation. And I wonder where she is mentally versus physically. And, you know, she she was kind of interacting with them the way a teenager would. Like, oh, they shot me down. I can't be friends with the cool girls. But I just thought it would, you know, I was like, how would her actual age affect her relationships and how did that get stunted? And uh, yeah, because because she does talk about like she feels like she was she's missed out because she was in this suspended animation. Yeah, and so there there must be some sense of that loss too. So she must there, like I was just fascinated by like feeling older but then having nothing to show for it. And I thought that was a cool um, addition to her character that we don't see in other places. Yeah, and even if she sort of acted. Not like a teenager, but even if she had some sort of naive aspects of her character in this episode, she did, to me, seemed very mature. Because when the mean girls, the the weather girls, uh, sort of made fun of her, she didn't try to get back at them with her words. She just kind of walked out, and that's my favorite part of the episode, probably, is that she walks out and she kind of has a, a human moment, like, 
what did I do wrong? And even though that happened, she didn't try to get back at them until they had a big fight, of course, at the end. But um, and also with Clark, she even apologizes for not listening to him later on in the episode. And I thought that was really mature of her. No, it's true. And actually, I did want to talk about that uh, <laughs> that one scene where Clark is teaching her how to use her heat vision mm-hmm. properly. And just that, I mean, it's such a great scene and so fun. And in that uh, Craig Burns' uh, Smallville Season 7 companion book that you mentioned earlier, um, Laura Vandervoort wrote the forward and she said this about the scene, that scene with the uh, watermelon and the heat vision. She says, I love this scene because it was really the first scene where I could relax and be silly. Uh, Tom and I laughed and improvised a little. And the best part was when they threw a bucket of watermelon pulp all over him. I tried my best not to laugh during his close-up. Ah, the glamour of television. (laughs) Um, But I did love that scene because uh, he does a smiley face on a watermelon with his heat vision because it's so controlled. And then she's kind of like, I got this. Of course I got this. And then she blows up a watermelon with her heat vision and then pretty much doesn't care. Like she clearly wasn't able to control it, but she was like, eh, F this. Like (laughs) that that was my favorite part. She was just like, he was like, see, you have to learn how to control. And she was like, I did good enough. (laughs) Yeah. Like like, that was fine. And I didn't know, I can never, uh, I could never decide whether or not she could control it or not. And if she was just, uh, not like messing with him. Yeah, not caring about him trying to be this mentor for her. Because at the end of the episode, she does control her heat vision when she needs to save Clark. So yeah. I, I sort of wondered if she just did that on purpose just to get watermelon all it's like over. mess with him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But the, uh, the relationship between Kara and Jimmy... It's interesting how she seems to be crushing on him, and he kind of seems interested in her, but then when you see the looks he gives her, it's like he could be looking at her, or he could be looking at what's going on around her, and it's never (laughs) quite clear, like, what he's looking at. (laughs) That's very true. I liked liked when she rescued him, because I liked how completely inept he was at, like, getting out of a car. Like, (laughs) he's sitting in this car, and it's... (laughs) slowly freezing to death and like literally 10 minutes go by and then he's like what if I open the door and by then it's too late and he tries to open the other door like he tries to open the door furthest away from him (laughs) it's like you have a door right next to you you're in the driver's seat open that door oh Jimmy (laughs) but um but again again the uh you know the fact that she activates his her heat vision um she gets him all hot and bothered I thought that was great yeah Um, that's that's definitely a throwback to when Clark learned how to use his heat vision because on Smallville, the heat vision was definitely a visual way to represent attraction to somebody. And so it it was interesting of all the people, of all the guys in the world, Jimmy Olsen, who really (laughs) technically isn't really the Jimmy Olsen, but that's a whole other thing. Uh, But for, for it to be him, this kind of nerdy guy with the camera, so I, I kind of like that, again, it throws back to the origins of Supergirl and how she's always kind of tied to Jimmy Olsen. And uh, I like that it's this kind of normal human guy that she's first attracted to. Yes. And also, you know, because just a testament to her maturity and how she, you know, 
it's not just all about the hot quarterback, Clark. Like, right. <laughs> and there's plenty of, of uh, reason to be attracted to a guy like Jimmy Olsen. And also, I love, uh, what's the actor's name that plays him on the show? Aaron Ashmore. Uh, yeah, that's it. Because I've seen him in other stuff, too, and he's adorable. Like, yeah, he, he's, I'm like, I would totally have a crush on him, too. He's actually a twin. There's Sean Ashmore and Aaron Ashmore. And I had to think about it for a second. I was like, no, it's Aaron Ashmore. That's in Smallville. Do you know they're twins? That's not fair. Yeah, 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 they're twins. I know. Do you know which one is on the following? I've seen him, and I can't figure out which one it is. Oh, I'd have to look. It's gonna haunt me. Yeah, I'd have to. I'm gonna look it up online. (laughs) Um, and it's uh, just I was just thinking about the fight with the the weather girls in this, and every time I hear the weather girls, I'm thinking of that song. It's raining men. that's done by the weather girls and I'm like oh my god every time I saw them on screen I'm hearing disco in my head but yeah so it's funny because like I said before the the thing that was most interesting to me about this episode was Kara and what she's going through so like the whole plot with the weather girls and you know they're trying to steal a map and get lots of money like I didn't care (laughs) (laughs) it was such a convoluted kind of dumb plot but it was a great showcase for for developing Kara so I guess it's okay I'll let it slide right it, and it was like like Morgan said that's very small villain that they had the meteor infected people element of the plot that you mm. had you had to stop the the meteor freaks as they are but then uh I thought the the I actually really loved the last the last line of this episode um when Lex Luthor finally confronts Kara um, as the person who saved him. And then he asks her, are you a savior or a warning? I thought that was a great moment. And uh, it's interesting that Lex would, you know, acknowledge the fact that he was saved twice by members of the Kent family and that he wants to know why. But it's, you know, obviously Lex is a villain, a classic villain. Um, But in that moment, I feel like he, you know, he's, he's genuinely wrestling with that. And kind of wants to know what it all means because he's trying to turn a new leaf or or be better or something. Yeah, and that was something that Smallville, I felt like, always did a pretty good job with was was Lex's character and keeping it sort of morally gray and ambiguous. And, and even though he was doing evil things, you, you sort of saw where it came from and you sort of sympathized with him and empathized with him throughout the run of the show. That was uh, I always felt that that was one of the best things that the the show really did. But I really liked. I thought that they had such good chemistry uh, in just that one small scene together. I mean, um, Michael Rosenbaum as Lex Luthor sort of had chemistry with everything, like yes. in everyone. <laughs> um, but but had I mean, chemistry it, with me in my dreams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But and the the other thing I really liked about the um, the Kara and the Lex sort of this that storyline that was going through these two episodes is that like I don't remember if it's this episode or the previous one where he draws this like childlike drawing of her. Yes. And it's just like it's just basically like a, a, a face surrounded by hair. Hair. And he gives it to his <laughs> he gives it to his security guy and he's just like find this girl and it looks like no one. Yeah. <laughs> I was say, it certainly doesn't look like Kara. Like it look, I'm like who is this person? <laughs> it looks like no one. And his security guard is like sure. Uh, this might be a little hard and he was like just go find him and you can just tell like the defeated look on his security guard's face that like this kind of stuff happens all the time with him. <laughs> Like he just hands, he probably just hands them like stick figure drawings of people and is like, find this person. Which is really (laughs) hilarious because the Luther mansion has like the worst security ever. But the security guy who got this picture 
really great detective. He did it. He did it. Found Kara with a really vague drawing. So props to that guy. I wonder if, well, you know, because he there's also the uh, him looking for Lana and going all the way to Shanghai. And I wonder if, like, he drew pictures of Lana and passed them around. <laughs> Help me find this woman. Pro- um, this probably. is my wife. Here's a picture of my wife. So um, it's like a child's drawing and crown that he's just handing out on the street corners in China. <laughs> it worked. Um, it's true. He found her. So, hey, he's a really good artist. If it ain't Shut wrong, up. don't fix it. <laughs> Um, so final thoughts on these, uh, on these episodes, uh, anything else that, uh, Morgan, uh, as our special guest, uh, what should we take away from these episodes as far as like the Supergirl character, especially as we, you know, move forward into the TV show? What do you hope stays in the characterization? What do you, you know, hope goes away? What are your thoughts on that? Just thinking back on this, on this particular season of Smallville, which I think at the time I, I sort of had gotten behind on and then, and then binge watched because I remember just I was watching, rewatching these episodes and thinking like, wow, I do not remember this at all. Um, and, and what you mentioned earlier that like that Kara was sort of the best parts of these episodes. I felt the same way. Like the rest of the episodes, I was just kind of bored. I was like, can Kara come back now? And I think that if I remember right, she was like that throughout much of the season. Her, what they did with her character was, was really interesting. And, and I liked that her sort of her attitude and her like her bubbly personality and like how proactive and, and sort of like a go-getter that she is. And I think that that was that's a, it's a nice contrast to Clark. And it, I think that they both taught each other like a lot in these two episodes. And I think if I'm remembering, remembering right, like throughout the rest of the season. Well, if uh, that's all there is, I think we've wrapped up our uh, Smallville discussion. And so now we'd love to get into some listener feedback, um, which there's been more of. Thank you all so much for uh, interacting with us on our Facebook page, on, uh, on our website. We've gotten some great comments and emails. The first one that I wanted to read was from a gentleman by the name of Gene Hendricks. Thank you, Gene, for writing in. And he says, thanks to the irredeemable shag, uh, I have found your show and I'm really enjoying it. As a longtime Superman fan, I've obviously known about Supergirl, primarily Matrix, since that's the era of, that's my era of comics. But having you two go in depth about the character is great. I'm also glad to have the female perspective about the character out there. As the father of a six-year-old daughter who loves superheroes, it's great to hear your perspective. I know that you're killing time until the show starts, but I like the fact that you're delving into the past of the character. There are a lot of versions of Supergirl out there to go over, whether it's comics, live action, or animation. I haven't seen the Helen Slater movie in probably 20 years, but regardless of the cheese factor, I might just look it up for my daughter to watch. Of course, she's very familiar with Little Girl Lo- of the Little Girl Lost version, and we love watching those episodes when we can. Keep up the great work. Um, thank you, Jean, so much for listening, and we hope that you are you know, listening with your daughter. We hope she checks in. And hello, little Hendrix, whoever you are. <laughs> um, but yeah, we've been hearing that more and more that, you know, fathers listening with their daughters seems to be a running theme. And I love that. That's really awesome. Well, we also got an email from Ange who says, one of the things I love about Supergirl is that she is relatively new to the superheroing game and as such is prone to be impulsive in her effort to do good. But she is learning and growing as she proceeds. No incarnation showed that better than the animated Kara. In Little Girl Lost, she seems really young, acting almost rashly, but in her effort to do what was right. In other Superman episodes, we see her acting more independently, relying on her wits a bit more. 
And then over two seasons of Justice League Unlimited, we see her complete her journey. She starts out as young and brash, but brave and respected. She becomes her own person, not just Superman's cousin, and then heads to the future and the Legion to forge her own destiny. And Ange, you'll be glad to know that we are going to do more episodes about the animated Kara, and we'll talk about that completed journey in JLU later on in season zero. And actually, I'm so excited about this email, too, talking about uh, dads listening with their daughters or uh, enjoying Supergirl with their daughters. We have an email from a young girl by the name of Anika uh, who writes, I am 13 years old and I love Supergirl. It's great to know that there are some Supergirl fans out there. So hello, Anika. Thank you so much for listening. I hope it's Anika or Anika. Um, You'll have to email me and correct correct me. Um, But uh, I'm so glad that... uh, there are some girls out there listening to the podcast because I know that personally means a lot to me. I know it means a lot to uh, Rebecca as well. So yay. That's awesome. And our last email comes from Michael Bailey, who had some feedback about Supergirl the movie and Little Girl Lost. He wrote, I remember seeing Supergirl on home video back around 1985 or so and always liked the film despite its flaws. Back in the early 2000s, Anchor Bay released a two-disc set that had the international version and a director's cut, though my research indicates that the director's cut was more like the one that was released into international theaters if you go by running times. As with many Superman-related films and television series, I tend to focus on the things I like more than the negative, and overall, it's a fun film. The more extra footage I saw, the the more the story made sense, but it didn't necessarily improve things. (laughs) It was great listening to a fresh perspective on the movie. And about Little Girl Lost, Michael said, I vividly remember Little Girl Lost premiering as it was a very big deal to me. This was still during the period in the comics where Superman was the sole survivor of Krypton. No ifs, ands, or buts. So I was curious how they were going to play the character. This was during the time of the Peter David series, so I didn't know if they were going to go in that direction or what. The compromise of her being in the same system, but not from the same planet, worked for me, and I liked every I liked every appearance the character had, especially in the finale of Superman the Animated Series. So thank you for that email, Michael. Yes, thank you, Michael. Um, and in addition, we've gotten uh, some great comments over at the uh, Supergirl Radio website. One of our listeners, whom we've heard from before, Craig MacD, thank you so much, Craig, for all of your uh, writing in. He wrote, uh, in regards to Allura, if she does end up as a mentor to Kara, she'll probably be programmed, be a programmed hologram similar to Jor-El in Man of Steel and the first Superman movie with Christopher Reeve, able to give advice and answer questions. If that's the case, I wonder if Supergirl will have her own Fortress of Solitude or will have access to the ship that brought her to Earth. That's an interesting uh, point, and uh, I'd be curious to see that as well. Yeah, yeah, I don't don't know that we'll actually see this Kara have a a Kent Farm barn, as we saw in Smallville, where she can go and reflect on her day. So it would be kind of interesting if she had her own space. Well, maybe there's like a uh, janitor's closet at Catco um, that (laughs) she can take over and decorate and she'll have like posters on the wall and that'll be her Fortress of Solitude. Um, (laughs) But uh, Craig goes on to say, in terms of female villains, I won't be surprised if they bring Silver Banshee, Maxima, and a version of Livewire over from the Superman rogues gallery. Uh, Possibly even Superwoman, uh, Lois Lane's sister who was given the powers of a Kryptonian during Sterling Gates' run on Supergirl. Um, I would love to see Livewire, actually. I kind of wish there was more of her because I know she's 
originally from the animated series, right? That's, that's correct. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, and I let, I really enjoy her on that. So I was like, oh, that's a great idea. And I would love to see Silver Banshee done right. Like, she is pretty terrifying. And I think it would be cool to see her go up against this Supergirl. So I'm hoping for Silver Banshee myself. <laughs> we have a listener named Ronald Beam who asked, are you going to talk about the animated movie Superman Batman Apocalypse? Because Supergirl is one of the main characters. And thank you so much for that comment, Ronald. And to answer your question, yes. Not only will we be watching the animated movie, but we will also be reading the Jeff Loeb, Michael Turner comic. So stay tuned for that this month. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. And uh, Chris Barnes uh, left us with a comment on the website and gave us more insight into what we call the boom tube remote control. Um, thank you so much, Chris, for writing in. Uh, and he said, it's called a mother box and parademons are the faceless stormtroopers of the DC world. Uh, some good insight as to what they could get away with and what they couldn't, censorship wise, can be found in the Batman animated series book. And Chris also says, funny you mentioned the nod to the Fleischer Superman. The animated series of Superman and Batman are full of things like that. Another great episode is Girls' Night Out, where Supergirl and Batgirl team up versus Ivy, Harley, and Livewire. And Chris, it just so happens we are planning on watching and discussing Girls' Night Out from the new Batman Adventures cartoon. But it won't be until around the summertime, so hang tight for that one. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one because I, you know, I love girl team-ups. <laughs> the, the Supergirl-Batgirl team-ups are always really, really fun. Well, if you want to contact Supergirl Radio, like all of our great uh, feedback uh, listeners have done, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. Post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash supergirlradio. You can follow us on Twitter at supergirlradio. Check out our exclusive pictures over at Instagram.com slash Supergirl Radio. We are also available on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you have time, we encourage you to rate and review us on iTunes. And yes, please do. They help so much. And big thanks to Gene Hendricks and uh, Garrick McNider for your reviews this week. Well, Morgan, where can people find you on the Internet? Sure. Um, they can find me on Twitter um, at Mojotastic. Uh, they can find me on my writing blog. It's a writingmorgan.tumblr.com. And they can find me writing about um, a variety of TV shows uh, at Buddy TV, including Pretty Little Liars and Rain. Yay. Thank you so much, Morgan, for, for being part of our discussion today. We loved having you. Thank you um, for having me. Definitely. Um, as for me, you can always find me uh, on Twitter uh, at Teresa Giacino. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash uh, Teresa Giacino Experience. And uh, you can find me at my Patreon page. Uh, that's patreon.com slash Teresa Giacino. And you can follow me on Twitter at Derby Kid and watch videos I've shot and edited on my YouTube channel at youtube.com slash duckmilkprod. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K-P-R-O-D. Join us next week when we'll be discussing the Man of Steel prequel comic. Till then, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Teresa Giacino. And we think the humans are right. Girls do mature faster than boys. Boys.